Welcome to the AMX Superstores Inside Dirt show here on the Inside Dirt Network. This is the final Pro MX review of the season. It is the round eight Coolum review, and we are coming to you a few days after the big doubleheader weekends of QMP and Coolum. Like I said, this is the AMX Superstores Inside Dirt show, and we've got to give a massive shout out to the AMX Superstores guys for supporting us and bringing this podcast back for 2022. Uh, Caram Downs is the latest store that is about to open. AMX Superstores has over 20 locations now nationwide and growing. They've got some other really exciting stores coming that I can't can't drop the beans on just yet, but uh, some cool stores coming all over the East Coast. And uh, AMX Superstores is, of course, the nation's largest off-road adventure road apparel parts and consumables retailer. They have everything you need to keep your bike on track, to keep your body safe, and to keep you living the dream on the weekends. Now, like I said, over 20 locations nationwide, Caram Downs in Victoria, that's my old neighborhood, is a great spot for the new store that's going in, and they got big things planned for that store, so keep an eye out if you're in the area. And second to that, amxsuperstores.com.au, if you can't make it in to one of the stores, make sure you check out their website, next day or same week delivery on just about everything you need to keep your bike and keep your body on the track. And uh, like I said, can't thank those guys enough. It's been fantastic working with them all year. Once again, had uh, my son Grayson at the races on the weekend. It's uh, Prime X Coolum. And uh, took him over to the AMX tent, hung out. The team there, they're from the local shops around the you know, the Gold Coast and, and the Brisbane area. And they, they made him feel real special. We got him some... You know, some uh, casual wear and some hats, and and that's really been a cool thing is seeing the AMX Superstores guys with their activations and their retail at the Primax rounds this year. The local teams from the stores go out and meet the fans and and introduce themselves to everybody, and uh, it's a cool initiative from AMX, and they're a great uh, great group of people that will keep you on the track and everything you need. So once again, thanks to those guys. Check out your local AMX Superstore or check out amxsuperstores.com.au for all your needs. And with that being said, this show is pretty funny. Um, we get into it late in the show, me, um, Posty, and Darnell about the MX of Nations team. And uh, we talk all things Coolum and uh, the 2022 championship. So I hope you enjoy it. Let's get to the show. Okay, kids, you're in for a real treat today. He, he's Jimmy's brother, the guy, the singer. Data never been about that. Never, never been about playing no shit. It'd be like looking over and seeing your, your ex missus with someone else. Like it's a. There's a few of them going around the pits, I'm sure. That's <laughs> Do you know what I've been smacking lately? Can we say it on the show? <laughs> Why weren't you more successful? Well, you know, because I sucked. So. <laughs> Yes, yes. All right, we are here. This is the AMX Superstores Inside Dirt Show, round number eight, call them review. As promised, we uh, we are here for the last time. It's a bit emotional. It really is. It's going to suit Posty very well tonight. It's quite emotional. Um, it's been a big few weeks in, in Primex and Moto, the Moto world with everything going on with Inside Dirt. Primex, you name it. It has been a big few weeks, but we are here to bring you, kind of recap the the round kind of recap the season 
Um, there's a lot of silly season going on right now between Australian Supercross, World Supercross. Uh, there's a lot to talk about there. So let's get to it. AMX Superstores inside the show, round number eight, Coolum Review. First up on the line, he is the leader of the broken. He is the savior. Of Would the you world. be the savior of the broken, the beaten and the damned? They call him posty Michael Williams. What is up, my man? Uh, what's up, bro? Uh, I, I appreciate that we're using Christian names now, too. We're not, we're not, we're not going to nicknames. We're going to full full Christian name. So thank you for having me on, Joseph Stevens. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm not sure where the full name thing came from. It's just been a bit of a theme um, tonight. And here we are. Uh, anyway, Posty, thanks for joining us, bud. Big weekend shooting, wearing your you know official factory Husqvarna um, uniform and uh, making dope Instagram bangers. Um, which we'll get to. And uh, next up on the line is, we're just going to call him the main man at Alpine Star Australia. That's about all I got because I forget his job title every time. He uh, used to be the producer and co-host of the show. Uh, he used to be the brand manager ID Media Group. And now he is the main man at Alpine Star Australia, Darnell Official. What's happening, bud? Hey, man. How are you? We good. We good. You got home safely? We are using real names, right? Oh, true. Daniel Bell. No. <laughs> <laughs> don't, 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 don't sprout that out there, all right? That's my official Daniel Bell. Do you know the yeah. amount of people in a work environment where I've said, like, Daniel back in the day, and they were like, who? Yeah, yeah. And that's the way we keep it, right? Batman doesn't just walk around shouting out that he's Bruce Wayne and vice versa, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how many people don't actually know I have a real name. Yeah, you like McLovin. Yeah, McLovin. <laughs> One name. Like Donnell. Yeah. What do you? What do you seal? <laughs> anyway, boys. Right. Let's get to it. Um, big few weeks. Hey, back to back rounds. A lot of work. Um, Donnell, you hung out at my house at the start of the week, and we had some fun, but we actually worked a lot. Yeah, we had some fun. I hung out at your house. I hung out at Posey's house. I hung out at Jimmy's house. I, I, I just. Uh, I was a nomad up the road, uh, just finding wherever I could work. So it was, it was good. Um, I see why you people live in Queensland. <laughs> you, you people. Yeah, you people. Right. <laughs> I don't know if you can say that, eh? Yes, twenty twenty two, bro. You can't, you can't like group people into a. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can. You can't group a state together, bro. <laughs> Queenslanders. Queenslanders. Well, you know how much an A this week? Yeah, it'll happen. It does. It gets you. It gets you. Um, but are yeah. you going to move up first, please? Sorry, Joe. I know we got serious business to talk. But no, that's are cool. Are you going to move up here? Or what's the no, matter? no, no. Um, I like my job um, very much, and it is based in Melbourne, and I will um, I will stay here because it's good. It is a good life. You may call me a sellout or whatever, but it is good. Yeah, but Melbourne's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, I literally got off the plane yesterday. And it was raining. I'm like, that'd be right. <laughs> yeah, I had um, I had Irish Dan. Shout out to my man Danny Boy. He uh, he came up from Melbourne and stayed for a few days, and we hung out. Uh, yesterday, we went surfing down at Burley, and then we went to Surfers Paradise for dinner and did the tourist thing. and And he flew out early this morning, so he got back to Melbourne at like eight o'clock this morning. and And he called me when he got off the plane, and he was like, "It is so cold." <laughs> it does. Uh- all right, boys, let's get to it. Coolum, 
Um, I'll be honest, Coolum in my mind is always an anticlimax. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of hype going into the final round, but usually one of two things happens. Like on the odd year, you have Egan Mastin take out Wilson Todd in qualifying and it just gets hectic. But very rarely does that happen. Usually the points leader, if the championship's not won, he can kind of mail it home and there's no real drama. And it was kind of like that this year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. A, I don't know. It was a bit different. For I mean, Coolum, like I said, Coolum is a weird one. Uh, we knew what Aaron Candy had to do to to clinch that title. Um, Cade Manier, same thing, and obviously that uh, Wilson had his sewn up already. I mean, we did crown a lot of champions over the weekend, which was cool, and a lot of. Um, a lot of different names were brought up over the weekend, which is good for a change, you know. First time we get to see Aaron um, win the championship. It's the first time in a long time that we've seen someone new as such come in. Like, obviously, Aaron rode 450 last year, but this is his first full year on the 450 to get it done the way he did. I mean, with, you just got to give a massive round of applause and to the team and to the everyone involved in that program like it's just a massive effort to do what they did and congratulations to Aaron once again I um I finished up all my all my duties on Sunday and and I was waiting for a ride out of there and I just kind of walked through the pits and you know Dean Ferris was hanging out you know he announced his retirement Sunday morning um he was hanging out with his friends and having some drinks and you know, I went and shook Dino's hand and just said, you know, congratulations on an amazing career. And then I sort of just walked through and did the walk of the walk of high fives and goodbye to all the teams and see you at Supercross. And, and I, obviously I saw Dakar and I shook his hand and said, congratulations. And he was like, well, he, he said, and I quote, he said, he made it hard on himself, but he got it done. So I don't know if Dakar was thrilled on the way Tanny got the title on the day, but I mean, all that matters is that he got the title on the day. And I'll be honest, I um you know, big content guy. I was getting my TikTok shots and everything in, in the morning for the uh, the start of MX1 for the first moto. And Tanny looked really nervous. Like, you know, when you see him without their goggles on and you could just see the look on his face, you know, he was pretty nervous. And I think first championship, you kind of take that stuff for granted. Like, oh, he's just, he's going to win it. But he had to deliver under pressure and he did what he had to do. And, um, it wasn't spectacular, but man, he got it done. It's it's funny that you say that, Joe, because um, I think Tanny said in his uh, post race when he when he was crowned champion that like this is probably the first major thing that he won because he never won an Aussie title, never won. I don't know if he ever won a state title. Like this is his probably his first championship. Um, so yeah, that pressure is going to be pretty heavy because you know you look at like say the likes of a I don't know, Todd Waters or anyone that Dean Ferris or whoever, all these established guys, like they're multi-time Australian junior title champions, uh, world title guys, Bailey Malkowitz world titles. Aaron was never in that position. Aaron went a completely different route than what most people did. So for him to go into this uh, Coolum round with the weight of not only the championship on his shoulders, but that whole team, that whole uh, CDR team, uh, Fox, the shirt, the jerseys were made. Um, there was, a, I can, I can only imagine the amount of pressure that would have been on Aaron's shoulders uh, from the get-go, you know. And I, I don't envy being in that position because he's uh, probably never been in that position before. And 
you know, uh, winning a championship on any weekend is probably a nerve-wracking experience for anyone, let alone your first ever major, major title. And to go out and be his first ever major title being the uh, MX1 Australian Motocross Championship is pretty gnarly. Yeah, I I agree. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's like Aaron, he inherited <clears throat> all of this pressure not from the team as far as like, okay, Cloudy's out, you got to win. We've talked about this before. But the whole dynamic shifts. Like now you've got Gary Ben, you've got Craig Dak, you've got Brad, you've got everyone there purely for you for the for the next six to seven rounds, whatever round Cloudy got injured, I can't remember. But um, round two. All right, so six rounds. It was CDR's sole focus was was Tanny. And he, he stepped up to that pressure. But like you said, Posty, you know, the, the guys from Fox – you know, they're there, the, the, the championship jerseys are there, the T-shirts, the team hats, like all that stuff is kind of quietly going on in the background and they're probably trying not to have like Tanny notice that there's all these extra people in the truck and there's all these extra things going on, you know, in the corner of his eye and he's just got to focus on, you know, like even did you see CDR's Instagram where they put that video up of Brad going through the gearbox on the stand before the first moto? No, I didn't. Yeah, they were like doing all of, I mean, I'm sure they do it before every race, but they were just kind of showing everyone like, you know, they're doing all the damage control, like, you know, uh, you know, disaster plan. I don't know what the, you know, anything crazy that could happen to avoid the championship. So for Tanny. uh, Kenji would be just as nervous, the mechanics. Like imagine that being on the line, you know, like I think the nerves with Aaron, would be at one thing, and just quietly on that before we jump off, I saw Aaron at oh, I don't know seven o'clock in the morning. He was walking up, watching, walking up to the grandstands to watch the track. And I was like, "Hey man, how are you?" He's like, "Yeah, good." And I was like, "And I, I just had a brain snap. I'm like, you'll get it done. Like, get gonna get it done today, eh?" And he just like it almost looked like his face dropped for a second. I felt like like a bit of a piece of shit to be honest with you. Yeah, you just um, made like a hell of a comment. Like, yeah, I did. Yeah. I didn't even think twice about it, man. I was like, can you imagine how many other people have just said that to him? Like, and I felt yeah. terrible for it. You know what I mean? I was like, and that's it a, was, but yeah. it was out of a out of a place of you know pure like I'm pumped for him. You know, um, but can you imagine how many people have said that to him? Like the pressure on Aaron. And for him to do what he did, because I saw there was a couple moments that he had in um, practice and that sort of stuff, and I was like, Aaron, just just roll her over the line. I don't like. What do you what do you have to do? You just had to finish, right? It was if Ferris went one one, he had to go nine nine. And yeah, Mickey, you broke the unwritten rule that you, you don't mention the championship before it's done. You know. Yeah. Well, whatever, man. You'll learn. You'll learn. Whatever, man. Mickey's just happen. Mickey's just playing innocent whilst he's wearing the Husqvarna shirt. You know, just trying to. Just trying to throw the competition off your boy. <laughs> Speaking of your boy, he was on 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 a, on a speed level this weekend, but we'll talk about that in a minute. We'll keep talking about Tanny. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think, honestly, all I can liken it to is kind of like an out-of-body experience because you're sort of so watching, you know, when you race, you know, at an elite level, those guys are in flow state. They're in the moment. They're not second-guessing anything they do. Then when you get to those pressure weekends where don't crash, don't don't crash in the first turn, don't get caught up, don't hit a lap, don't take this route. Like all of a sudden they're questioning everything they do and they never race like that. And I could you could yeah. see on the track Tanny was just like second guessing everything. And he went what, what was it seven eight or six eight or something? Yeah. Yeah. Um it, which, it was worth it was actually his worst result for the year. Yeah. So, 
And the crazy thing is that Ferris actually didn't end up having that. You know, he had a third in Moto1 and then the wheels kind of fell off in Moto2. And I think Ferris was probably going through the motions as far as emotionally. Like we all knew a few weeks ago this was his last race, but, you know, it wasn't public until Sunday morning. But, um, you know, you could even tell like in the interviews he was really downplaying his, his shot at the title and, you know, he wanted to win, but he realistically knew it wasn't going to happen. Um, but you could tell in that second moto, the wheels just kind of fell off for Ferris a little bit. I, I, you know, it wasn't what we saw in moto one. And I, I genuinely think it was the emotions of knowing that was his last pro gate drop. Yeah, it was a, it was a big thing. Obviously, we went to the, uh, well, I, you two would know it to be seen, went to the, uh, the presentation night on Sunday night after the races. And, um, when, when they were handed over their trophies, Dino gave a, a quite an emotional speech, and it was um, it was really really good to see that he's he's happy with this decision that he's made, um, and you know he sort of as much as he'd want to go out on top, he you know you can see that he appreciated it really with someone like Aaron winning the championship that that torch has been passed now um, to a younger guy like like we've said all year, you know. It seems like we've been watching the same racing for 10 years with, you know, Dean Ferris and Todd Waters and Brett Metcalf and all these familiar names. And now to see someone like Cloudy last year and now and now As getting the title, it's sort of we're finally starting to take that next step and bring that next crop of guys through. So, um, and to see Dean recognise that as well as, you know, uh, being comfortable with the decision he's made. Like, it's a, not an easy thing to walk away from racing. Um, obviously, Dino sort he's sort of done it before by taking that year off uh, last time around and then coming back this year. So yeah, it was good to see that that he's in a good place and he knows exactly where he wants to be and knows exactly what he wants to do. And uh, I mean, he'll always be an Australian champion. Can't take that away from him. So now it's just for Dino it's moving on to that next stage and and driving in that like he has in his racing career. Uh, without sounding ignorant and the shittiest media guy in the world but um it's fine we expect it okay yeah we get it um what was the exact reason for dean stepping away he's just done yeah i I think my bad it's um he basically just said that when he got hurt in 2020 you know it was that weird covid year and he was you know he got that injury which it was that injury was a lot worse than a lot of people think Oh, um, it was gnarly. I know, I know how gnarly that was. Yeah, yeah. Like it, I think it was pretty close to being a really bad deal, you know? Um, yeah. So I think for him it was a, a knee reaction, and I can completely understand. He's got kids, he's got a family, like, instantly I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. You know, I'm out mm-hmm. as far as racing and risking everything. But then because COVID happened, no one really progressed that much. Um, no one raced that much. And I think for him then he was like, okay, well, he – Dean is quite, you know, at times I hear he can be quite stubborn and he does things his way, which is a testament to why he won as much as he did. And Mm -hmm. I think it was just a case of he wanted to go out on his own terms. He wanted to show that he wasn't done. He could win again, which he did multiple races. Um, And then he was like, I'm good. I've kind of proved my point to myself. And I don't know if he had really anything to prove to anybody else except himself is my opinion because yeah. that's the way he's wired, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I just, yeah, I just, you know, I look at someone like Dean and like um, Daniel, 
why are we calling each other Christian? Yeah, anyway, can stop with this? It's really weird. Darnell, as you said, um, you know, like there's that new generation that are coming through with your Duffies, your uh, Websters, your um, Cloudy Tannies and all that. But the old boys are still showing it to them, you know what I mean? Like your Metcalf and your Waters and Ferris, you know. Ferris is still winning. They're still making money. Like it, I would, I would assume that, We'll just keep this thing rolling, you know what I mean? But yeah, okay, so uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't fully well, aware of the circumstances. Of the, why. the other thing too, Posty, when you think about like, I, I genuinely, I think what I just said is why he retired. But yeah. look at the landscape for next year. Like, we're going to talk about silly yeah. season. Where would Ferris even go next year? Because well, I don't know. He's a race winner. I thought your would just go. Oh, cool, him and Wilson, or, or I don't know, find a way to make three run and just run one two fifty guy. Like, I don't know. I don't have. I don't have those answers. Yeah, let's not, let's not take away from the fact that Dean won the most races this year. True. That's, but, that's, but that's what I'm trying to say, though, man. Like, if he, he had a slow start to the season, right, on a new bike... That, that's putting it lightly. Once Aggie did not go well at all. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, once Aggie was really probably the stake in his title. You know what I mean? Like, really, you know, really derailed this whole title. Yeah, I mean, if, if he'd even got a fifth overall at one Thaggy as opposed to 13th or whatever he ends up getting. Yeah. like Coolum looks very really different, bad. doesn't it? Yeah. Like, Coolum looks really different with that. Like, you, would it be wild to say, sorry, Darnell, but no. wouldn't, wouldn't it be wild to say if we're sitting, if we're, when we go to do the preview of the 23 season next year and Ferris is still, would we not be going, hey, man, Ferris is 100% a title contender, if, oh, not, one of, if, if not one of the favourites? Like, oh, is that 100%. wild to be saying? Like, you know what I mean? Not, not at all. You look at it this way, like what was the points difference in the end? It was 17 points, right? Yeah. Now, at one thaggy, Aaron went to, uh, he went second overall and scored 42 points. Dean scored 16 points in one thaggy across yeah. the photo. Yeah. And, yeah. But, and you know, points there so realistically, goal. that's your championship, right? You, Yeah, you're right. You guys are right, right there. That's it. Like, that's, like, that's because he won, he won Moto Two at Mackay. Like he was back at Mackay uh, a few weeks he later, went, and he went on that run of yeah. multiple race wins. You know, like um, I, you know, obviously, obviously, he feels that he's ready to step away and all that sort of stuff. But I, you say to me, oh, where would he land? Anyone, anyone that's on anyone. a team that has anyone that wants to be no. Nah, you see, for a title, this is where I dis. This is where I disagree, and not because Ferris doesn't deserve a ride anywhere, but it's the landscape of the economy of the pits. Because you know you've got. Yeah, but then that's, that's up to Ferris to go. Hey, man. Well, if I want to race, well, maybe I can't ask for sixty grand. Maybe I have to ride for thirty grand and find a way to do it. Like I'm yeah, coming to the. Is end. he going? Like, is that. he going to? No, he's not. He's, it's, it's someone, not. you know, yeah. it's not going to happen, right? Even if he's got a heavy uh, bonus contract and a big championship bonus, like you're not going to risk it all and sign on for 50 grand if you're doing Ferris. Like it's just not going to happen. No, so, no, I get it. I get you know, it, yeah. that's the other thing. I don't know what he was paid this year. It'd be pure speculation. But, you know, realistically, there's only one high paying spot at each team, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, he, he's the older guy. He, you know, as far as Honda and CDR are concerned, your likes of Clout, Tanny, Wilson, Webster, these are the guys that are going to be, I don't know, staying, moving. This is stuff we'll talk about, but they're the guys that are going to be commanding the bigger dollars. The old, the yeah. older guard, you know, like even Todd Waters, man, like 
you know, Ricky, he runs his own program. He's not like demanding big sign-on money from Husqvarna. Like he runs his own program with a budget and makes it work with his business model. It's it's yeah. not what people yeah. think where he's just going to Husky and going, oh, give me give me six-figure sign-on. Like he runs his own team, you know? Yeah, um, it's, it's a really different dynamic. But anyway, let's keep on track because what I want to talk about, you know, we've covered uh, Ferris, we covered Tanny. Let's talk about Webster and Wilson Todd now. And Todd Waters. We'll talk about Todd Waters in a minute, but let's talk about the Honda boys first because, man, Wilson Todd was on one from pretty much the first tire tracks on uh, on Saturday. Well, I think the only the only thing that uh, got in uh, Wilson's way on the weekend was, uh, was yeah. Todd Waters. Careful, Wilson. Wow, 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 wow. I wouldn't say he Did got in his it? way. Did you see the footage, though? Yeah. Yeah, like, we don't have a problem with that, right? I no, mean, no, no. no, there's nothing wrong with cutting across seven ruts to get to the oh, outside. Man, <laughs> what, what is this exaggerating? No, I think it was... It wasn't even contact, man. Because there was no room left to make contact. No, here's what I think happened. I'm not talking smack on Toddy. I feel that Todd did move wide to block him, but I also think he got cross-rutted and really moved far wider than he anticipated, and it just kind of ended up that way. Yeah, look, it's it's not a it's not a bam bam on. It wasn't, but yeah, it wasn't Bosch or it wasn't America on France hate crime. Why didn't you even think that was that bad though? Really? I'm a big big Bosch fan too, by the way. So. Yeah, I was gonna say, there's some bias going on here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, you, guys, you guys can talk about that. All right. So no, but look at look at Wilson's weekend. I mean, very good, very very good. Uh, he's just. Once he got that championship out of the way, there's, I sort of spoke to you about this on Sunday, Posty, or it might have been you, Joe, one of you two. You end up blending into the same person by the end of the weekend. I've talked to you as much. That's uh, right. Does your read look at this now and go, was it a mistake putting Wilson on the 250? I mean, yes, he won the title, but he could have been a real contender in the 450 title all year. Yeah, but Webster was too. Yeah, I think if you look at Webster not getting hurt, it changes. Like, realistically, if, if Webster doesn't get hurt, there's a real possibility with Clout getting hurt that Uribe gets both championships. Dude, with, sorry, but Uribe nearly put whatever money he found, dude, between Wilson Todd, Dean Ferris, uh, Kyle Webster, and Campbell Williams, he had titles lined up, and he only ended up getting one. Fair enough, but dude, like it was pretty unfortunate to not walk away with all three titles. Yeah, you're right there. Like if you look at if you look at how it should have played out with Campbell's early season form before he hurt his shoulder, um, and man, he was flying, dude. And then Ferris, like we said, we go back to Ferris. Well, once Baggy put Ferris out, but you got to remember before Webster got hurt, and he wasn't even racing when he got hurt. Webster won in Mackay. Yeah, he was the points leader when he went out. So. That's what I'm saying. Like, Webster had a red plate. So you've got to think that, you know, and this is all maybe cans and maybe do's, but, man, you really had a pretty solid foundation to get all three titles. He did. And that's that's why you go racing, though, isn't it? Because what what's on paper doesn't always work out. And, and there was an unlikely champion in MX1, really, which is pretty crazy. I mean... If you go back to Wilson's top performance on the weekend, you know, you could see the amount of, uh, I'd say the amount of time he spent in Europe, but I've chatted to Wilson Todd about, about Europe and he, 
really didn't ride as much as I thought he would have over there. He was based in the UK. He wasn't based in Belgium. Um, he said it was a real struggle at times to find places to ride. And so I don't know. I was going to chalk his sand speed up to being based in Europe for those few years of MXGP, but um, maybe not. Maybe he's just a bad dude riding the sand from being up in far North Queensland all those years. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean... Have we lost Posty? Because he seems to be gone on the screen. Sorry, boys, I'm back. I'm just... Oh. Um, yeah, I had some technical difficulties. That's <laughs> not right. No, I mean, but we know what Wilson Todd's like at Fulham. We've seen it how many years now on the 250. And if you listen to that, that Sarah 450, that was... Uh, that thing was getting ridden hard. Dude, was I standing with you, Donnell, or was I by myself? He came into that first turn in qualifying on Saturday and pretty much came in at Mac 10 and then pulled the clutch in and just left the thing on the limiter for about five feet of berm and then let the clutch out again. Like he didn't actually shut off. And it honestly sounded like he was riding 85, but it was a factory 450. It was, it was pretty gnarly. <laughs> the thing was for a majority of the day, it was at the stopper. Like he was on it. Like his outsides, his corner speed on the pegs, like, because Coolum really with the sand is just one big turn. It's either a left or a right turn pretty much the whole track, you know? And he just had that bike on a lean angle and was on rails. Like the, I'm watching the 250 class right now and the amount of fitness that these boys would have needed to have in the sand to ride in the heat at this speed, like it's impressive. But Wilson, you know, Moto1, he just basically... You know, clean house checks out. Very impressive. Did you see the reel that um, we put on Prime X today of his start? No. I did see that. Very impressive. Yeah. I mean, I have zero um, input in that reel. That was all Jimmy. But how was the music? Click, click, boom. I was like, yes, James. That was sick. Anyway, um, you know, Moto 2 doesn't quite work out that way. Webster gets the whole shot. And and then it's Webster's turn to show, you know, show his deal, show his speed. And we know how fast Webster is at Coolum. And here's the funny thing, right? Dino, you might remember this posty. I don't know if you were around back then. Um, 2015, I remember it was the under-19s um, at the MX Nationals. And this this guy, Webster, we started, started seeing him on TV a little bit here and there. And he rode the last two rounds in 2015 for Dan McCoy's, like, SFC team. Do you remember? No, it's all, the all-black bike, all-black shit. Yeah, yeah, the 65 oh, clothing. The and um, do you remember this? Yeah, I remember him on the SFC team. Yeah. yeah, and I think the last round of 2015 in under-19s, he got, like, he was on the podium where he kind of really came into form at this round. And I remember, you know, commentating TV and – and I was like, man, this kid Webster's really, you know, he's coming good. He's finding form. And, and then in 2016, he rode for the, the Mark Lou 600 team. And and then we know how it all went from there. It just started getting better and better. But he really, I think, made his mark and got that ride from that 2015 ride at Coolum, I believe. Yeah, I mean, and it's always one of those things you got to look at when a guy from WA comes to the sand. You sort of half know what to expect, right? But... uh yeah, you do. You do. I mean, they're, they're renowned sand riders. You know, Manier even showed that this weekend, which we'll get to. But, you know, Webster Moto 2, now we can bring, um, you know, uh, Todd Waters into into the mix, Posty. You can you can fanboy out on your boss. Um, and, you know, Todd was back. Todd was Todd. The intensity was that we haven't seen all year was there. Yeah, 
Yeah, 100%. Uh, just quickly on the Webster thing, how impressive and how pumped. Like, he hasn't been on the bike that, uh, all that long. Like, I was in Hatter with him, I don't know when that was, maybe six weeks ago, and he was just sort of looking at getting back on the bike then. So to come out and do what he did in Coulomb, uh, super, super impressive. And where? Super pumped for, where? for Carl Coulomb. <laughs> uh, to come back the way that he did, uh, it's super impressive. And honestly, man, like, you feel if we're, and I know it's getting a bit ahead of ourselves, but if we're looking ahead to next year, man, oh, it's it's looking good between Carl Webster, Aaron Taney, um, I, I don't know if I'm speaking out of terms here, but we can only expect Duffy's going to be back, right? Um, oh, yeah, the Duffy gonna... thing. Let's leave that for the silly season talk because, yeah, okay, like, okay. there's there's I'm a lot of saying. there's a lot of moving parts. But yep. d- d- if if everyone comes back to Australia for motocross next year, that's here now. As far as Tanny, Clout, Webster, Todd, Duffy, like, goddamn, there's a lot going on. What do you want? You want to just roll through the top ten of the four fifty championship right now, Joe? Yes. No, I just want to talk about Todd. What are no. we doing? Oh, no, we'll get. To- yeah, okay. Do that, then we'll get back to to. Um... But how? But but honestly, though, like it was good to see Todd back riding by Todd and never. But and Cooler missed his backyard, so. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what you expect from Todd at Coolum. We've seen it so many times before. Like a little bit funny to see Cole pass him, to be honest with you. I thought once Cole, once Todd had gotten out front, um, you'd think he'd just run away with it. I did ask him, and he's he's a little bit shell shocked. I don't know if I should be talking about. He said he did he's been suffering a little bit from arm pump, which is something that he's never dealt with in his career before. So there was that, but yeah, regardless, man, what was it? I Who think. I think it was an intensity thing. Like, I, I can't speak on why he was getting arm pumped, but, you know, and this is the caveat, this is the catch to him riding AORC. And there's yeah. a reason that, that there's very, very, well, no elite guy ever does both disciplines because it's mm-hmm. different. Like, even Milner, like, pretty much who has been the best off-road guy in the world for years at different times, he he really, he's so fast. Like, he goes training during the week with the moto guys. He runs their lap times. But when he was go, he would go race a pro moto race. The first ten minutes, that intensity, the off road guys don't have it, you know. Yeah. And yeah, and Todd has spoken about that, and even spoken down to technique things that he's, um, you know, in his riding techniques that he's changed to suit AORC to motocross, and he's probably seen a little bit of that overflow from being super competitive in off-road and also super competitive in moto and trying to find that balance. And I agree with what you're saying. You know, there's going to be... Um, this is completely irrelevant, but me and Jimmy were talking... Oh, me, Jimmy, and Renoko were talking about it uh, at the track. It's like, how can you be a really good film guy and a really good photo guy when they're, they're the same, same, but two different... Um, two different... I mean, I don't know about that, man. I seem to manage it pretty just fine with an iPhone. But, you know, I'm like the Todd Waters of uh, content creators. You know, that's how I feel. Um, But, you know, you're not wrong as far as, you know, that's the thing. It's like Todd, yeah, he's a top three guy in both championships and he makes it work with his business model. But you saw on the weekend that when he really went full send with the intensity, because he can do that more comfortably at Coulomb, maybe that just gassed him a little bit. Maybe he just wasn't ready for it because he hasn't done it in realistically in years because he's been racing AORC. There's been the COVID years. Like we haven't seen that sort of race winning Todd speed for quite a while since 
2019, realistically. Yeah, and I will, and once again, just because I'm privy to the program, the amount of time that has been put on the motocross bike um, hasn't been a lot compared to the likes of other riders. Um, so that's something that Todd's aware of and something that needs to obviously um, change for 2023. But like Todd said to me too, is like, this is a learning year. Like he didn't know what he was going into. Didn't know what he was doing at Hatter. Didn't know what he was doing at the four day. Didn't know that from Albury Wodonga to the four day, what that change would have to be. So as much as we all agree, but I think he's going to use this as a learning year and then come into 2023 with a lot more knowledge and a lot more idea behind recovery times, how much time he needs to be on a motocross bike compared to what he needs to be on his off-road bike. There's, there is a plan in place for 23, and we'll see if that's going, what results that's going to bring. Yeah, I mean, and realistically, sorry, Donnell, he's done an amazing job just just yep. to cover that. Like, he, I don't think people understand how gnarly what he's doing is on and off the bike. Like, you know, the business side of things, what he's setting up, like, there'll be news on different things that he's doing public soon. Like, you know, Donnell, you go. I cut you off. No, well, that's all, that's all I want to say. Like, you've got to. It's a massive effort to, one, he's, he was third in the championship in motocross. He's raced the four-day enduro. He's raced Hatter. He's about to go into the six-day. Like, it's, it's not a usual thing. And to be top three in a motocross championship, and it's not like he was finishing again. Like, that, there's so much depth in this field. We've talked about it all year. So third place is, is not just another third. Like, you think about the guys that are behind him with Brett Metcalf and Kirk Gibbs, and then you throw Webster. Obviously, he missed a few rounds. Mossy missed a few rounds. Cloudy went out. So, like, if, if the guys were there, maybe that third got a little bit harder. But, you know, the guys that he was still beating and running with, it's, an, it's, a, it's a massive effort to do what he's done. Let's, let's roll with this now because you talked about Medi. Um you know, tough, tough task for, for Medi to, to beat uh, Waters at Coulomb, but I thought he'd be a little closer. But, man, he was just – it was just off all weekend, really. He never really got going, hey? Yeah, but he still looked good even when he was off. Uh, he always looks good as Brett Metcalf. Yeah, he's got long hair and a beard. Honestly, and He's like honestly, he's like a combination of Fergie and Moto Jesus. It's honestly uh, – it's a show on its own, the Metcalf show, man, honestly. Like – um. He is hands down one of the favourite riders to watch on track, no matter what. But you, you would agree that I, I don't know what you can put it down to, but he definitely just didn't have it at Coolum. Like oh, yeah, he gave it his all, but it just wasn't there. Yeah. Like to me, he looked like on the weekend how he sort of looked the last few years of riding at Honda. Like he looked good, but he didn't have that spark that we've seen all season where he's getting thirds and seconds and race wins, you know? That's the thing too. I think if you look back at the season as a whole, like Brett Metcalf on a privateer bike, did did anyone really expect fourth in the championship with moto wins and podiums and? No, like, not at all. It's ironic, so isn't it? Like privateer. No, no, no one can turn around and say that they expected that. Like but, he's had factory equipment for the last few seasons, and he did better this year than he has in a long time, and. You know, I was I, I go down to the gate, you know, I hang out before the races. It's it's a cool vibe and I like to see what's going on. You really get a feel for the event there. And I was looking at Metcalf's bike. Like I just do these little these little scans and like Moto One, you know, every every bike's pretty much clean and they just had one ten minute session warm up, so the bike's not damaged from the morning and 
all the factory bikes are completely new plastics, new graphics, like shiny, you know, the pipes are, you know, only a race or two old, like everything is dialed in. And I sort of looked at Maddie's bike and the frames a bit pitted and the, the hubs are a bit pitted and the, the pipes got a lot of hours on it. And you can just tell like, that's a legit privateer effort. Like he's getting back, he's getting backing from good supporters, but you really start to see the difference between a factory team and a privateer team at that point, you know? Hey, can I just can I just confirm? Uh, Joel Evans got the privateer award this year. Yeah, he was top right? privateer and seventh in the championship, which is badass. Like, good on him. Yeah, but is then what is Matty counted as then? What is Matty not? Oh, sorry, yeah. I get I get the question now. Um, well, I not th- so nothing against it's, it's sick for Joel Evans. Like, I'm so pumped for that dude. Um, that I, was sick. I, I just think don't understand, the like, what's the deciphering fact here? Does Matty get bonuses from KDM? Well, I don't know. I can't comment on that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But I, I would think that might be a decider. Oh, okay. Okay, right. Like yeah. as in, because like Joel, Joel kind of gets free bikes and kind of buys bikes. I don't know his whole deal. Medi doesn't buy bikes. Um, oh, okay. If, okay. If Medi okay. gets yeah, bonuses, okay. like I, I don't know if he does or doesn't, but KDM are involved in his program to a degree. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. I understand. I just so, don't. I don't know the degree of. I just like that's all well and good though because if you get a shop deal for, I don't know, Star uh, North Star Yamaha, and they give you bikes for the year on a race, like on a thing, you're still paying. Like that doesn't pay fuel to get from, like Joel from Brisbane to Wanzaki. Like you know what I mean? Well. well it's such a grey area now, isn't it? Too like what? Yeah. What is a privateer nowadays? Yeah, well, I mean, I would definitely like. Don't get me wrong, Joel is the epitome of privateer. <laughs> like the dude's hustling to uh, do what he's doing. And so pumped in. I just wondered, like, what we're saying is like, yeah, what's the official ruling on that? Yeah. I guess, I guess, many would. Yeah, and it's always been, but it's always been a grey area with these privateer things. Like, who gets yeah. a privateer? Who doesn't? Um, can we talk about Joel Evans then? Like, how thick is that? Well, uh, it's just... <laughs> Donnell, do you want to run through the, the, the championship and then we'll talk about briefly um, briefly about some riders and we'll talk about Joel as well? Yeah, okay. Well, you had, obviously, Aaron with the title, Dean in second, Mickey's guy, Todd in third, the man with said, Brett Metcalf, like, uh, in fourth there after an outstanding year. And then in fifth, Kirk Gibbs, uh had some ups and downs this year, to say the least. Uh, that thumb injury to Gibbsy really sort of took the wind out of his sails, I think. Nothing well, like that, a mid-season surgery to throw a spanner in the works when you've just yeah. won a moto too, hey? Yeah. Well, yeah. And coming off, oh, sorry, coming off a Honda, that KDM, that was an adjustment period. Like, even though he spent all the years on the orange bike and then... Um, you know, went to then he was on Yamaha, then he was like went on Japanese bikes and then back to the. Well, he broke Euro his foot in the preseason too, didn't he? Yeah, like it hasn't been smooth sailing. You know, he broke his foot, um, and then Got he a big did that knock at Wodonga. Yeah, and that that thumb thing's no joke either. Like it's pretty gnarly. Luckily, he owns a recovery center now, and he can just like go into a recovery pod for the next six months and come out like Batman when the season comes around next year. Coming out two years younger. Yeah. I might go. I, I need to come out two years younger too. I might go. I might go up there for a little bit and go into one of those pods. Sick. Um, I mean, I 
Who was who? I feel like we touched on Gibbsy a lot in the previous episode, so we'll keep it moving. Who was next, Darnell? Oh, Caden Melroth was in six for the championship, and it was a wave back. Like that's the thing; those top five guys were. There was a relatively close point difference between those guys. Like I think Gibbsy was seventeen back from Medi, and that's sort of the biggest gap, other than you know Barris to Tanny. So for them to jump back, it's. 54 points back to Melrose in six. Like, it's quite a big jump. And that's like we said all year. Sort of those five elite guys. And then Hayden was sort of in that no man's land. Like, he could run with those guys, but not every week. But he was still a lot further ahead of, say, your Joel Evans and Joel Whiteman, who were seventh and eighth in the championship. So Yeah, he was I pretty mean, much the best of the rest, wasn't he, really? Yeah, oh, he also had Jaden Rikers in there. But um, unfortunately, Jaden missed the... The last four motors of the year. So the thing with Hayden boys is, and just just remember this though, like that sternum injury he had at that Supercross yep. Invitational, coming into the third, like man, he was still broken coming into the first couple rounds. You know what? Three rounds. Were you, you know? there, like, Posty, at that event? No, I didn't go to the Supercross, but apparently, like, I, well, I, I that crash was that gnarly. I hosted it, like I was MC in that night, commentating, and I saw the whole thing, and that was one of the most bizarre crashes I've seen in a while. Like, yeah. it was it was weird, dude. Like, he, he spun up on the up ramp. He cased it. This double wasn't that big, right? But the way he cased it, he should have just gone over the bars. Like, the no, he nose bonked with his feet off, basically, you know? Um, yeah. But then he ended up smashing his chest on the bar pad because the bike, like, whipped back at him. And then... Like it was scary because I've never you don't very often see a, a whiskey a whiskey throttle on a four fifty bike like wide open. He just got dragged alongside the bike full whiskey throttle. So you're right. I forgot about that crash and maybe that was the precursor to him not being there just, this just year. Think about, yeah, and just just like and just I spending a lot of time with these riders across the brands. It's not just a brand loyalty or anything like that, but. You, you have to look at these and consider these things. Like, the first three rounds are pivotal. Like, if you look at Ferris, Ferris essentially lost that championship in the first round. Now, Hayden come in, like, I did the photo shoot with Hayden two weeks before the opener, and he was sore, man. Like, he, he could barely get around. So, to come out, do what he did. And then you got to remember, that time's pivotal for a new rider, new team. Like, he only saw, like, KDM uh, renowned for signing their deals pretty late. Um, man, he was only announced in December that he was going to be on that bike. So it's a whole new bike, whole new program. Then yeah, they were pretty far behind the eight you know ball. I mean? Like that was kind of common yeah, knowledge, that, you know? I'm just like, you know, this, these are the facts though. And then, uh, I, man, I honestly look at Adelaide. Like he was battling with Toddy. Like he was third, fourth. And then Toddy um, and him come together and he went, you know, it's like there was, the results probably aren't as, uh, really showing what he's if you watch the motos and actually take notice of, of Hayden Melrose you go oh okay like he was actually motor on at the end there QMP looked good um, then he's like every time he got going this year something seemed to happen you know um, exactly and if I'm Hayden too though Hayden's strength for Supercross like that's yeah. his that's his ballpark and I think as a, the KDM group one I've said this I've continued to beat this drum KDM's like, hey, man, we've got a really, really solid Supercross rider here. And if I'm Hayden, would, uh, do you blame the dudes for going, hey, man, like, let's just get through Coolum or let's just get through these next two rounds 
and look forward to the first round of Supercross. No, not at all. That's where we're, we're going to go, you know? Like, and I'm, I'm not I'm speaking out of term here, but I don't think it would be insane to say that. Not at all. I think Hayden, we all know that Hayden's specialty is Supercross. Like, and realistically, we'll, uh, we'll probably get to it later, maybe in this show, maybe if we end up doing some for Supercross, we can talk about it more then. But Hayden is a Supercross specialist. I said it to you boys that I thought it was quite strange that Hayden didn't get a ride at World Supercross that that we know of, or um, I thought he would be a lock for that series, to be honest, because that's right in his wheelhouse. So I do I wonder, Darnell, to, to inter- interject there, a lot of the guys that have got Supercross rides like Mossy or you know the Americans, a lot of the Americans going are either going with their American team or their privateers that can move around. I do wonder what, say, Hayden's factory gas gas contract looks like where he's going to race Australian Supercross on a gas gas. He couldn't just go sign for some world team that rides Cowies or Suzuki's. I doubt that would be allowed. So that's something... Yeah, I, 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 would, I think it would be not out of this world to think that uh, his contractual agreements would have... Prohibited that, uh, you know. Um so maybe yeah. his options for World Supercross were actually almost over uh, before they began, you know. Yeah, and also, like, boys, is there is there a um, is there a Euro team doing World Supercross? Like, no, is there KDM a team or a team KDM or a, Group globally are not supporting World Supercross this year. They have there is like a, a deal with. Uh, I mean, MDK obviously Chad's going to be riding a KDM. Oh, okay, there you go. So that's still a more of a privateer. Did you guys um? Do you guys see that video of Chad testing at the the KDM track in California with Roger DeCosta? No. Yeah, no. It was on uh, on on YouTube. I saw it today. Um, he was like riding the full Red Bull bike. It was interesting. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, I think they were just testing for twenty three and and World Supercross. But man, the video was long. Video was like fifteen minutes, and he just was throwing down lap after lap. Like I think he's taking this World Supercross thing pretty seriously. Let's Chad Reed. He's either all in or he's not. Fuck yeah. it. Yeah. It's either is either Dad Bod Reed or 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 Chad all in Reed. Um, anyway, anyway, getting back to it. Um, who was next in the championship, Daniel? So you had Joel Evans, which we uh, will circle back to Joel. Just go through the top ten. So you had Joel Evans, Joel Whiteman was in was in eight for the championship. Yeah. Solid year for Joel. Um, had some pretty pretty good results, um, but again he was sort of in that next that next step back, um, like a lot of top ten, um, but just couldn't sort of break up into the into the higher numbers in the top tens. Uh, and then you had Jobin Baldwin in ninth, and Jaden Rikers was in tenth for the championship. Like that's missing two two rounds. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go to Joel Evans. Um, Got to be the feel good story of the season because man the the guy, he is doing it as privateer as it gets, lives in the van, him and Michaela during the season, like they live on the road. And I remember talking to him at, at some, uh, what round was it now? It would have been SA. Um, and and literally coming into SA, they'd blown up two bikes, didn't have a bike, didn't have a motor. You know, he was literally saying to me, I don't know if I'm going to be at that round. And they managed to get something sorted. They got a motor shipped or something, but, you know, he... He really is, um, you know, away from the YouTube series and, and the glitz and the glamour of him being at the races. Like you said, Posty, you, you know him quite well. You know, Joel yeah. is every dollar he's making from whatever deal he's got, whatever school he's doing, 
it's going into the diesel to get to the track. It's going into the spare parts to, to, to go to the next race. Like Joel is doing it. You know, he's, he's living the privateer deal. Well, I spoke to Joel on Sunday at the presentation dinner um, after I accidentally spilled a beer on him. Um, <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> um, and he said, I said. It's probably his one, his one set of smart clothes in the van you've just doused in beer. Yeah. No, I said, so what's the deal? Are we, going to, are we going to Supercross? And he goes, I literally have no money left. <laughs> so. Uh, he, he sent is, me a text the other day. He's like, I want to talk to you about Supercross. So I think he's trying to put something together. Yeah. How's Joel's soupy skill on the next question? Well, I think he goes all right at it, you know. Um, yeah. I, I, this is a really weird thing to say, but the only comparison I have to Joel's Supercross skills, remember when he got really hurt at Murray Bridge back in the day? Yeah. He got yeah, hurt. Yeah. He got hurt on that triple triple. And he was one of the only guys that did it, I think. So if that is my metric of his supercross skills, then I think he goes all right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'd lose. Yeah. I'd like to see Joel go to supercross. I think. I, I think everyone would like to see Joel go to supercross. Everyone just likes seeing Joel go to the races because of the way he puts his program together and his following. Like he has probably got one of the biggest fan bases in the in the pit outside of you know the, the guys who have been on the world stage. Oh. Hey, can we, can All right, we talk hey, about the big spaces? Everybody Is needs to... The big spaces? Hold up, hold up. No, no, no. We need to talk about this. Uh, the, the TV is playing in the background in my living room right now, and uh, 250 Moto 1 just finished. Did anyone notice Nathan Crawford nearly de- decapitate a lapper on the last turn of Moto 1 and nearly go down? No. Okay. Well, that happened. Oh, okay. I, I, I can't believe what I just saw. A lapper crashed right in front of him, and he barely missed him. He would have gone down, and he would have used the lapper as a speed bump. Well, that would have been a good Alps cover shot. <laughs> hey man, neither Posty nor Alpine, Mark Jones was there for it. Alpine stars protects, um, yeah. but yeah, Joel Evans, the big heads, yeah, Ferris, Tanny. I don't know where, where did they come from. I don't know, but I'm all about it. I think that's great. Between the air horns and the big heads, there's actual building in the pits in Australia. And these riders getting a big following, and I think Joel has a massive part in that with the, with the YouTube series and the, and the new fans and the interaction that they're bringing into the pit, and it's huge for our sport right now. Um, Dude, there was a lot of um, a lot of fans at Coolum, and I, I don't say that. I was going to say, how sick was Coolum's? Like the amount of people that were at Coolum, like it was sick. I, I'll be honest, I've seen bigger crowds at Coolum, but the the fan interaction, I haven't seen that at at a, a, a outdoor race in a long time. Like the, the fans were at the podium, the championship, there were, you know, kids wanted goggles and I don't know. It just seemed like there was a real vibe, wasn't there? Uh, the kids wanted everything. Uh, like those, some of those kids like seagulls. Man. Like, <laughs> like, man, they will, they will do anything for your shoelaces. Like it's loose. Yeah. I saw kids walking around with front fenders and number plates and, like peaks off of um, Alpine style helmets and like <laughs> <laughs> I had a, I had to have a stern talking with with uh, with Jesse Dobson um, about losing a peak. Uh, yeah, I think losing a peak was the least of Dobson's problems over the weekend. But um, well, is there any news on that fella? Um, as far as I know, I 
I think he's okay. I've, I ran into Mark Hancock at the airport um, on my way home yesterday, and he, he said, from what he's heard, it's okay. Um, that was a pretty gnarly deal. Uh, I don't really want to get into that too much. Should we, should we segue now from uh, MX1? I think we've covered enough there. Um, I, I think is there, is there any standouts that we need to, like, outside of the top? Top, top 10 like give some other privateers a little bit of love like yeah, uh, Kevin Wood or someone like that yeah. I mean, so I mean many- Whiteman yeah. Whiteman is someone I think that because he's so understated yeah you know what do you get 8th in the championship like yeah. and he's yeah. always 10th 12th 13th 9th you know Whiteman is a solid dude solid rider and he rips at Supercross by the way um, so I was about to say Supi yeah, his super yeah. skill, he'll be up there. Uh, he'll be way more up there and in, out uh, in Supercross. But yeah. because he's so understated, he's just very unassuming that, um, you know, oh, he got eighth in the championship, but you didn't really see him on TV all year. You didn't really see him in the in the battle, uh, you know, fifth to tenth. He's always there. And, man, him and his dad, they run that privateer program like they always have. Like, hats off to Whiteman and Evans and um, – you know, Dylan Wood as well. Yeah, you're right. He had a solid year. And so did, um, who was ninth, did you say, Darnell? The Joven Baldwin, right? Like, Ride Red Honda, he he killed it. You know, another solid year. Like, he did really good. I think he won everything at the state level and, and top 10 in 450 Pro in Pro MX. Like, that's impressive. Without, um, like, what, what do these dudes have to do to get a look in? Like, what, like, what, what do you think they really have to do? Like, say, like, look at Joel Evans, and I read Joel Evans' um, comments on YouTube, and I was like, give him a ride, give him a ride. What does Joel Evans have to do to get the likes of, I don't know, like a BBR or, um, you know, like that next level, you know, um, say a BBR Yamaha or an Empire Cowie or someone like that? Who do we, like, what, what has to happen for these guys to get a ride? Do they have to get a top five result or like what's the, what's the, win a moto? Like, what do you think needs to happen? If I could, if I could be completely so, honest, you go, you go, you go. Great communication guys. You go. Yeah. Oh, I just said we don't have enough rides. We really don't like in this country. How many, how many rides can we expect? Like, you know, that we talk about there's guys that aren't getting rides. Brett Metcalf is a privateer. How does that like this? Yeah. So yeah, but in saying that too, though, Brett Metcalf's thirty-seven years old. He got fourth in the championship. I know. I know. I know. I know, dude. So everybody, I'm with you. If anyone's beaten the Brett Metcalf ride deal, it's me. But I'm just saying, like, what are these? Or what is say? Like, what is? The, does the media have to do something, or does, does no? What what they need, what they need, Posty, and I hate to say this, is a time machine because being seventh in the championship and, and having a few seventh positions, and like, and this is no disrespect to Joel whatsoever. I love Joel and what he's doing, but you're never going to get a factory ride based off being the top privateer and being a solid top ten guy because they hire off of potential. So yeah. you know, CDL say say there is a vacant seat at CDR next year. Yeah. hypothetically they're just using these guys as an example are they going to yeah. pick joel who was seventh in the championship who could maybe be a top five guy at best on cdr or are they going to hire someone like say a hypothetically nathan crawford wants to go to mx1 next year they're going to hire someone like that 
you know? Yeah, okay. Well, then, in my question to that is, we saw open rides with, uh, whatever, but say there's sports open up in MX2, right? And maybe we don't have kids that are still staying in MX3. Isn't it? There's Joel Evans. Joel Evans is the same weight as me. It's like 75-odd kilos. Like Joel Evans are you saying he's a skinny back. emo kid? Is that what you're saying? Uh, skinny, probably not as emo as me, but he does love it. He does love a good uh, uh, punk rock. Emo yeah, he said he's all about the punk rock and the and yeah. the, the, the yeah. TikTok thing we did about music. Yes, um, like does is there an opportunity for Joel Evans to go say to a two fifty team or a two hundred and fifty ride? Like, do you think that's possible, or they, it's the same thing? They're looking at their next three. Yeah, they're looking. In my mind, they'd be looking at who's coming. You know, like there's a window yeah, in this yeah. sport, and there's a reason, right? Because you see it. I I don't care who it is. You you see this cycle repeat. Donnell, give me your two cents on this. I and I always told parents when I was coaching and 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 the riders I had in MXD and moving into MX2. I'm like, you have to make an impression. You know, by the time you sort of hit. MX2 first year or two because if you can put a, a podium here, a race win there, show potential that you're progressing, they will continue to put you on and invest in you because that's the business model. Once Yamaha is invested into you being on their junior team, they're going to put you on their, um, you know, their, um, they'll they'll go to WBR, they'll go to Yamalube, like you see yeah, it with these guys. Yeah. And then they go, okay, well, then you, you'll probably see Reese Budd in a couple of years if, if he stays with those guys or Levi Rogers, then when the CDR spot becomes vacant or whatever, whatever, right? So yeah. they try to keep it within the brand because it's an investment. So, but well, that's, those that's, guys yeah. got picked up when they were juniors or when they were early into MX3, not, yeah. not hitting form at 26 years old or whatever on the 450 class. Like, and again, it's just using Joel as an example, but it's the way the business model of the sport works. Yeah, yeah. Well, you look yeah. at you look at who won MX2, like the second motor MX2 on the weekend. We can transition into MX2 now. It's the easy way to do it because Levi Rogers won that second motor. Well, Levi Rogers has been a Yamaha kid since well, like he was a junior, yeah. and that transition was made a lot easier. And he's always shown potential. The unfortunate thing is, I think Levi he had an up and down year, but it was. A little bit understated because we really haven't had an opportunity to watch this kid ride because of the COVID years and and up and down year this year. But he proved on the weekend that he's he's a, a legitimate race winner. He's a he could be a title contender come next year. Okay, uh, if you're going to say that, then Darnell, my only rebuttal to that is Jake Costard went second and was making moves on Nato Crawford in the first moto, um, and he's on a completely privateer um, backed program. Um, so does that mean that Jace Costco Shores automatically move over to Yamalu Yamaha? No, it doesn't. And this is this is what I'm talking about, right? Like even I spoke to Scott Bishop during the week before Coolum. Um mm-hmm. and Scott basically said to me, he's like, Yeah, Levi's coming good. We knew he was gonna have a rough year because of his shoulder. And he said to me, he's like, Don't don't be surprised if Cosford wins a moto on the weekend. Like he knew what was coming. Because he's been involved with his program for years, so I mean, yeah, I shouldn't say that Cost is on a full project because I know he does get um, help. No, sorry, not Costford. I was talking about Rogers. That, okay, that's what sorry. Bishop was talking about. But that's the difference, right? Because then you ask uh, ask Bishop about Costford, and like he gets a little bit of Yamaha support, but they're not as invested in Costford as they are with 
Rogers. Rogers. Like it's it's yeah, a it's a business decision, you know. Like you're going to yeah. back this kid for the next few years because you've already put all these years into him. You want to see ROI for him to win a championship for you. So, unfortunately, and this is the thing, I it, it's the, the downside of the sport, but it, it's no different to you know AFL players getting traded or you know yeah, no, no, like no. it's the nature. You know, unfortunately, the majority of AFL guys get two years in in AFL and they get cut. You know, um, it's just the so nature of professional sport. In Costa's story, and Joe, you've been on the Costa train for years, and uh, as have I. Um, has he done enough now to show, hey man, I'm, I'm good. Give me a go because he's still super young, like just like nineteen. 20. Yeah, to me, he could be another Tanny. Yeah, like as in. 100%. Yeah. A slow starter, and he gets he needs to go to Empire to Kawasaki, or he needs to go to like to that next, like a BBR Yamaha, yeah, or somewhere that's going to give him well. Because I'm the dude's like polishing concrete. What are those dudes do? They're not polishing concrete, but you know what they do. No, nah, he, like, he does epoxy some sort of epoxy flooring, he, it, that's yeah. his business. But the dude's working for that, like he's a privateer, but. In my honest opinion, Jace Costin is as equally as fast, as equally as, as talented as as a Levi Rogers, as a Reese Bart, as any of those kids. Look, the career happen. path is just different. Like, the, does Cole London it's, call him? Very similar, to like an Aaron Tanny or a Cole Weather. He is exactly. Yeah, he needs to go to one of these B teams for a year and prove himself that way. I mean, yeah. Let's look at the teams. Like Aaron Tanny wasn't a Serco kid. Aaron Tanny wasn't a. Yeah. What was that Cowie deal he was on that really brought him out? It was, was complete that? That was parts, complete parts Kawasaki. Yeah. That was that. I don't even really remember. It came and went so quickly, but it was yeah, and that was Factory Cowie. But it it, it, it had a semi and it was all razzle dazzle. But realistically, it wasn't. Um, you know, it wasn't an elite yeah. level factory team, and and that was it a wasn't good fit. Yamaha. No, 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 no. So. No. Anyway, let's um let's segue back to actually what happened in MX2, um, because I feel like we're getting the silly season stuff that we'll get to at the end of the show. Now, NATO Crawford goes out, smashes Moto One, um, dominates. You know, kind of picks up right where he left off. It's a QMP and it's business as usual with Wilson Todd on the 450. There's not really a little competition for NATO, but then in the second moto, um. Like we're talking about, Rogers wins the second moto. He tracks NATO down and passes him with a few laps to go. And uh, I think NATO was a little bit shocked. Uh, well, let's not go with shock. NATO admitted it. <laughs> he pumped up a little bit. And I think what we don't look at enough is, was this NATO's first ride back at Coolum since his crash? I mean, I'm sure he's, uh, he's done he's some a couple laps. practice days there maybe or something. But that's the thing, because I think what NATO had realised that he'd won the first moto and he knew he could do enough to get second and still get the overall, right? And that was the game plan. He said, obviously, the game plan was to come back and let's see how the season goes. Well, he goes two, he gets second overall at Cox, then he goes 1 1 at QMP, and if he has to play it a little bit safe in that second moto and secure another overall, when really you, you watch how Levi rode in that second motor. She was pretty fast, but she was pretty loose. There was some... Well, he managed yeah, to save that yeah, near-death experience on the start straight with a few laps to go, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, did you see the near-death experience Nando had in um, Pracky as well, over the middle tabletop? <laughs> no, was it gnarly? Oh, it was very, very gnarly. Oh. But, and also, just on touching that, Levi Rogers' riding style is really the epic. 
the epicenter of loose. So, like, that's not <laughs> anything out of the ordinary. You know what I mean? Levi Rogers. He's style. a big dude. Like, he's he's tall. There's, dude, a, there's a lot like, of man like, on that 250, and he's young too, you know? Really good dude, dude. And once again, plagued with injuries this year. Like, did you see his elbow at um, Maitland? No. Did you mm. see that, Darnell? Yeah, not good. I dude, didn't, I didn't see it. But... Oh, really? That bad? Oh, it was gnarly, man. Yeah, it's uh, it wasn't good, but that's the thing when you when you've got someone like Levi where he's going that fast, but it, and not to say that he was out of control by any stretch. Like he got he got the job done. He, he saved those near misses. But for someone like NATO, is it worth risking it? And you know, try. hey man, honestly, um, if we're if we're looking at NATO, look right? at that, yeah, for him to go one two after what I, that, yeah, he's go two two one one. Um, and then we got Susie coming up in eight weeks, who I think he would he would expect himself to be a, a high contender for the Supercross series. But does anybody know? And, um, does anybody know if Wilson Todd is riding to the Supercross in Australia? I was, who was I speaking to about this? Well, I was speaking to Blake about this today. Um, we could only assume that he would be two fifty, right? And Webster four fifty. Yeah, well, he's going to ride the 250 at World Supercross as well. All right, so he has to be doing Australian Supercross on 250 then. Yeah. Hey, can I just do a complete segue? Who is the, the Smith, the Smith guy from New Zealand that ran second? I was going to ask that too, yeah. I'm watching the Super, uh, the AMX Superstores Top 10 Pole Shootout. Did he ride both classes? I believe so, yeah, because he was on that other fellow's bike. He was on Harwood's bike in the fall. Yeah. All right, so this dude rides a 252-stroke in MX2. I, I I sound ignorant. I don't even remember his first name. I'm sorry. Smith. One, he was riding – what's his name? Is it Hayden? Hayden Smith. Shout out to Hayden Smith because he ran up front in both 250 motos at the beginning. He dropped back a little bit, but he had some speed. He made the AMX Superstore's top 10 pole shootout in MX1 on Hamish Harwood's bike because Harwood was walking around with a neck brace on um, from his crash at QMP. Like, I don't know who the Smith guy is from New Zealand. I heard he, he's – was the MX2 champion, was he? Yeah, he's a, he's, a champ, he's a deal in New Zealand, though, isn't he? Like, he's a big deal in New Zealand. Yeah. As in, like, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a NATO Crawford in New, in New Zealand. Yeah, well, clearly the guy can ride. Like, we'll get back to what we talk about MX2, but – Got you know fair play to this dude because that's a statement in itself. Anyway, let's get back to Supercross. You're talking about Nathan Crawford and 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 everybody, but yeah, I think um, it will be interesting to see you know what NATO can do in Supercross. Confidence wise, he's had a big big few rounds that would set him on the right path, right? Um, Caleb Barham surprised me this weekend. I think he had some bite problems or something, but he was not not really factoring in at all like the last few rounds. I don't think um, Sand is KJ's special no, though, when to be honest with you. Coming from Toowoomba, it's probably not a surprise. You put KJ on hard, hard, hard dirt. That's your guy. I don't think um, Sand is his specialty. And it's not that he's not the tallest of guys, is he? And that sort of place. Nah, man. You look at the guys who go well at Coolum, right? At Tornado Crawford, he's tall. You've got Levi Rogers is tall. Like, it's not. It's, you, you need a little bit of height to manhandle a bike around there. And look, KJ did his thing. He did have bike. He did have bike. He did have bike issues and yeah. everything else. But yeah, honestly though, if you're looking at and once again, I'm KJ's my boy. But if you look at KJ's season, uh, 
very, very pumped for KJ. And I put KJ in in the same list as what I put Jace Cox in. What do we have to do to get these guys to the next uh, level? You know what I mean? Or what's the next What's the next stepping stone for the likes of KJ? Um, I've been beating the drum. Let's, if there's a Supercross rider and that's you know, something that he more tends to, uh, let's get him on that factory Husky ride. Um, yeah, I mean, because I, look- I talked to Dylan Wills about that because he was there hanging out and I said, you know, well, are you 450 for Supercross? And he didn't have an answer, but he said it looks that way. Um, yeah. So then I yeah. said, you know, well, who's gonna who's gonna ride two fifty? And then I mentioned Barham, and he's like, yeah, possibly. He's like, y- you know, you're right with KDM Group Posty. They do everything quite late as far as announcements and planning. Um, so it'd be the interesting to see the dynamic. The KDM Group. Sorry, the only thing with the KDM Group is just oh, from the KDM and Husqvarna side. That's a whole new bike that they are going to be riding for Supercross, I believe. Are they going to ride the twenty three for Supercross? I believe, I believe so. So don't quote me on that. I do, do that. believe, I do believe it's the twenty three bikes that they'll be riding. So they had the twenty threes on display, stick it up at um, QMP, right? Yeah, uh, and at Coolum, they had they had a, yeah. a beautiful display. Had, yeah, yeah. I, well, I know NATO's bike had the. The 199, the full stick it up 250 race bike. So the 23. That surprises me. I I guess from a marketing standpoint, it makes sense, but they're going to switch up. That's a joke because we've got like, what is it, two months between the end of motocross and supercross? Like, you have so much time to test that bike now. Yeah, you'd think that, but you know how Australian supercross is. Like, half the country's still underwater in winter. There ain't supercross tracks on every street corner like in america like it's not the easiest thing to do a supercross program in this country yeah it is. yeah i, I think that kdm groups in a in a um nice little position when it comes to supercross so and i can't speak too much on what's happening on the kdm side but nato kj um Tanny, they're all up in toowoomba in their own private paradise of supercross playgrounds <laughs> um hayden has two tracks of his own so there's you know, yeah, but Hayden lives there. in Melbourne now. Hayden's got business in Melbourne. Like he owns his gyms. Like I don't know if he's yeah, going to be. Yeah, he's got a track in Melbourne too now. Hayden's company. Oh, he does. Okay. And at home, and, at home. and then um, obviously Blake's out, but Blake's got a fully prepped, uh, fully made, yeah, project back Supercross track. So if the KDM group want to flex some muscles, they've got plenty of uh, places to go test Supercross and send their riders to. You know. True, and then Willsy's got Willsy and Cloudy are both at um, that yeah that that own little bit of paradise. So in the regards to testing and track, like, I think the boys are going to be okay in what they want to go do. You know, um, so yeah, I believe they're all on new bikes. So it's it's globally, that what 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 will happen with Willsy on whether he goes four fifty or two fifty. Um, I feel like he's going to think that he's um competitive on both and. We'll be competitive in both classes too for the end. I think it would be good for Willsey to go to the 450 because honestly, he's, yeah, I, he's I, been I on the 250 for so long. I think it's time, you know? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And it also opens up a spot for the 16 to go. And I think it's a nice little fit for the 16 to go there. That's um, so a bit of bite fee as well. I feel like the best thing we can do is bring the show back to Supercross. <laughs> Let's wrap up motocross before we get way too into silly season because it's now quarter to nine and I'm I'm getting tired yeah I can see that no that's cool alright so who else do we need to talk about in MX2 any other I mean Reese Bud another solid round gets second in the championship that's really all you can say about Bud he's just been solid all year he's he's been the the best guy 
you know, if NATO races this year, he's the third, he's number three again, you know, realistically. Yeah. And that's nothing wrong with that, man. He, his, his career is on the up. And I think Bud, Bud is not a, um, a standout speed, gnarly, throw it down the track guy. Like he'll work all off season. He'll come out next year and he'll be a title contender next year. I have no doubt about that. Um, anybody else you yeah. need to talk about with MX2? Wait, what about Dobson? Like, did his shoulder fall out again in the first? Oh moment? no! So it yeah. didn't. That was the word, but it actually didn't. Oh, okay. So, um, he. Do you think Dobson's pumped on his year this year? Surely not, eh? Not at all. Nah, I think he was frustrated. I chatted to him at the, at the end a little bit, and he's having some some um, some shoulder issues away from his col- uh, away from his dislocation. He's got a plated collarbone, and it's causing some some uh, some issues with um, like his AC joint and stuff. So that's what happened in that first moto. And then the second moto, like he had a, a big one and, um, you know, one of the flaggies got collected. It was pretty gnarly. We, you know, we don't need to go into it too much. But He walked away from that though, Dobson, right? Like I saw him at the end. No, he was fine. Yeah, yeah, he was all good. Like he didn't hurt his shoulder anymore. If anything, I think it was the first moto that, that the shoulder thing was and, Okay. You know, I think I sort of asked him, like, you're going to be good for Supercar? He said, yeah. Like he said, it's, you know, he's got, he's got some things going on, but he thinks he's going to be okay. So. And what about um, his teammate, Malkovich? How we, like, dude, he was, before he did that MCL at Adelaide, he was ripping. Like, well, you take that knee out of it, and it, this year looks very different for Bailey. I mean, he was, what's that, 16 points back from Bud in the championship, and he scored zero points at Gilman. So, and then, and then Road injured the whole way through the rest of the season, right? And only real, for me, I only saw Malkowitz really start to shine now. Well, really, the only one that... Look, Wilson Todd, realistically, out of all the motos he rode, he got second twice. But QMP, let's say that was a safety ride at best. The only other person other than NATO to beat Wilson Todd was Bailey Malkowitz. Bailey looked really, really good and saw that MCL. And Bailey beat him straight up at the start of the year when Wilson had nothing to lose, right? So, um, Malco, I mean, I've heard he wants to go back to Europe, but if he stays here next year, you've got to think he, you know, if NATO stays down in MX2 and and Malco stays in Australia, those two are going to be gunslinging for the title. Can I I add one? I wouldn't put Ray out of that either. No, yeah. I don't think he's out of it, but you got to think that it's... It's those two. It's yeah, it's those two yeah, and Reese will be there. Well, if they're getting someone too, and I saw him at the track and had a quick chat to him, I didn't get much of his time to talk to him, but um, Larwood, man. Do you remember how good Larwood was until that? You know, he had a couple, couple yeah, dramas. Yeah, dude, Larwood, and, he will be... And, then, I, and he was riding injured at one faggy, remember? Like that collarbone, was it one faggy or was it around after that he did the collarbone? Like it wasn't good. No, anyway. it was after one faggy. He had a, you know what's crazy, dude? I, um, I, Grayson, um, my son, he came up to, to cool him and um, yeah. I took him over to the, the Yamaha Learn Ride Activation and and I forgot, but on Saturday, Bishop Scott Bishop was like, hey, we've got the injured Yamaha riders doing the coaching in the morning at the Learn Ride thing. And it was Kingsford and um, Larwood. Yeah, I saw that. And it yeah. was like Kingsford had his knee brace on, Larwood had his arm in a sling. And it was like between them, they had like one set of functioning limbs to like steer these kids around on the Fiwis. But um, 
you know, you look at those guys coming back next year with Kingsford and Larwood. Um, man, there's going to be, you know, Blake Fox comes back, you know, your roommate, Posty, he's going to be back from his knee. I was, I was just going to say, um, you put that um, that crew together, you Blake Fox, Alex Larwood, um, Ryder King so that that new generation that that ridiculously talented generation that's coming through then add that with um, NATO Malkowitz Reese Bard MX2 is equally as exciting as MX1 you know um, oh for sure next year's going to be a, a bumper of a year so let's touch on MX3 real quick and then I want to do silly season before we, we jump off now well, and quickly before we do on MX3 Let's just hit straight on Charlie Tanner. What a fucking legend. Oh, and, and MX Dub. All right, let's talk about MX yeah. Dub first, actually, because yeah. my goodness, that first moto when Charlie Cannon hit the gate and Taylor McCutcheon got the whole shot and McCutcheon has been injured pretty much all year, I did not expect her to take it to Cannon the way she did. Now, granted, she, she dropped back 30 seconds by the end of the moto, but for the first five laps, McCutcheon... At times, was like a pinball out there, but she did not shut the throttle off. And, man, she was matching cannon speed, which no one's been able to do, like, all year. No, that's really sick. She really uh, – well, we didn't say – did we say it one Thaggy? And it wasn't. It wasn't great. It wasn't I think she was injured. Nah, she had broken ribs well. at one Thaggy, dude. Like, she could barely ride. So, you take that into like – Man, watching that women's class, and obviously they had the what was the Easy Lift uh, Women's Academy on Friday. Great initiative. Great to see that happening. And great to see this women's class growing. Um, and I think someone like Charlie with the speed that she's got and doing the things that she's doing, that she's just elevating this this women's class in Australia. And even though, she, look, there's no doubt that she'll move on to the world stage next year and take that next step. But what she's going along with, Emma Milicevic and Maddie Brown and Maddie Healy and and Taylor and all these other girls in this class, like it is growing um, and it's great to see. I mean, look at the entry list they call them like it was, you know, it's still not quite a full gate. But uh, Joe, you and I spoke to uh, Charlotte, um, who's quite a serious regular for the uh, for the women's class. Um, and we sort of seen that this class is taking a step in the right direction and maybe it's getting those girls that are at the state level but not going to the national level to get them to take that next step. Um, we can really see this class grow and I think the initiative from MA and everyone on board and I think Kate Peck is a, a massive part of women's motocross growing right now because she's just a massive advocate for it. Yeah, shout out uh, to Kate Peck because KP, she does an amazing job on TV and... She, behind the scenes, is very involved with women's motocross. You're right, Donnell. And uh, she's a voice for it to grow, which is cool to see. So, you know, um, it was cool. Like, you know, talking to, you know, you're right. We had that conversation with Charlotte uh, in the morning. And I think it's just bridging that gap that a lot of the local level uh, state-based, like, female riders, just there's that little bit of hesitancy to go race at national level because they're, you know, you look at Charlie Cannon, you look at Taylor McCutcheon, like these ladies rip and they would be competitive in MX2 and MX3. We've seen that. They would run top 20. And for your average female rider, that's quite intimidating to go up against that because the majority of them are not at that level. But you're starting to see that, you know, there was 22 riders there on the weekend and the more that attend these races, then the more there's a playing field from the battle from 10 to 20, 20 to 30 and be in the race. So, um, 
let's you know the last thing I want to touch on 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 uh, MXW real quick is uh, Megan Rutledge. Really cool to see her back. She's had a her um, baby. The baby was getting around the pits. Like I had a chat to her. I was like, it's really cool because typically when we've seen the the the, the female riders of of the past it's kind of just the reality of the sport. Once they have kids and they're in their mid twenties, they don't tend to compete anymore. They don't tend to come back. So for, for Rutledge to do that, that was really cool. Um, all right. MX three, MX three motor one is on TV right now. And I'm about to watch Muneer blow around the outside. He passes Brock Flynn over the double after turn two. Here we go. Boom goes down. Muneer, the sand, he was comfortable. He was back. He was Sandy, probably a little too Sandy with the championship on the line. But it was good to actually see him be the Kata Muneer we remember because he's had a quite a few rounds. But he wraps up the championship. Um, he was stoked. He's 15. He flies out to um, West World Juniors, Finland, you know, Sunday night. Like, they are living the Moto um, the Moto dream right now. I mean, the family sacrifices a lot. His, his mother lives with him on, on the East Coast in Victoria so he can train. His dad runs the business in WA. Like... That right there illustrates the sacrifices families have to make for their kids to be successful in this sport, doesn't it? It's um, super cool to see. And it's, I think it's one of those things that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pivotal for him. And I think Caden Near is one of those um, talents that are coming through a lot like Carl Webster, a lot like more, more like maybe more representative to Regan Duffy or yeah, something like I, that. I would say he's more on the Duffy yeah, career path yeah, than... trajectory. Um, 100% I agree. And I think as much as I'm pumped for the kid, but I'm being selfish because I'm such an advocate for Australian moto, I just don't... I think we're not going to see as much of him as what we would love to see. Like, I think he's just going to be one of those guys in the White Hunter and Jet and we'll be seeing him in the GPs or the AMA very soon. No, I think yeah. I, I don't know. How, I don't. Think would it be a, sorry, Daniel? Sorry to cut you off. But would it be a shame to see someone like that as talented as what he is at fifteen years old to stay here in Oz? Yeah. Is that like is that selfish? Um, like, yeah, yeah. It, for his career, he needs to go. And then yeah. that there's two ways his career pans out, right? Like this is the business model that you look at. Um, Mitch Evans, you look at Jed Beaton. They've been over there a few years now, and they've gone from. Uh, EMX 250 to MX2 to MX1 and, and factory and big support rides. Now, I feel like those two have probably been successful enough that they will have a long career in MXGP. Um, yeah. And if they don't, they'll do another year or two and they'll come back and then they'll be the guy that gets signed to CTR. They'll, they'll be the guy that gets signed to Honda, you know? Um, they'll be the HRC guy over here. So if Muneer goes over there, does EMX 250 and MX2, and for some reason it doesn't work out, he's still going to come back here and get signed to to be the next thing in Australia. He's only 15. 100%. Yeah, so, he's so fast at a young age. But, yeah, it's gonna, I think you're only going to be going as fast as the guys you're racing against, and for him to be that good at, at that young of age, like, that's not, not to discredit any of the guys in the F3 class today. Like Ryan Alexander, super fast. Jack Mather, super fast. Byron Dennis, he's going to Worlds as well. Let's not forget about that. And then you got Dennis the, is the same age as um, Manier, is that Yeah, right? Dennis is oh, young. Dennis yeah, he's young. young too. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he's yeah. as young as Manier, but he's pretty close. Yeah, yeah okay. 
Like let's see, like these. Let's get, I'm gonna roll through the top ten Amex three right now. Can we just quickly? I just want to quickly. No, I know you're going over it, but look at the you circulate around for four hours. I can watch him getting angry on the video. Can you see that, Joe? <laughs> I can. There's a vein. There's a vein popping. There's a vein popping. Yeah. Yep. All right. Now he's going rude, Jashy. Um, just quickly, and then we can touch past it. But I just got to touch on my on my guy. Mini Todd Waters, Liam Owens. Qualified second. What did he finish overall? I don't think it was that great. But he's running cool fifth right now on the TV. Very cool for the fourteen-year-old to go out and do that. Oh and wow, cool he's fourteen. There you go. Yeah, very young. Well, this this is the thing right with this class. I, a lot of people were a little bit on the fence about it when they first brought in the, the concept of MX3, changing it from sixteen. Like MXD was under what was that? Sixteen to nineteen. It was under nineteen. Bringing that age down to 14 to 18, it's going to open these kids up to go a lot faster at a lot younger age and open up the opportunity to maybe go overseas and make our career, the career of our guys over here. Was there a backlash against MX3 coming in? No, it wasn't backlash. There was just a little bit of concern. Confusion, concern. It was, yeah. What do you think about it? You put a 14-year-old kid who's realistically just stepping up onto a 250. An 18-year-old kid that's been riding a 250 for two or three years and that it's more the physical side of you know their bodies like a 14 year old if they get into a battle with someone that's 18 they're going to get manhandled basically you're saying that the 14 year olds have a they have a body like posty they're just kind of skinny and meat and bones and vans and skinny jeans and and um you know the the whoa alex anderson just got fully mud bogged off the track I, i missed that yesterday um but yeah, you can see that play out. Like even with Veneer this year, when the tracks were square edge, big ruts, couldn't carry speed. His strength definitely wasn't the same as like Alex Anderson, who was bigger and, and older. Um, but that's the interesting thing about MX3 because you look at like someone like Veneer is going to have a championship year, likely possibly end up overseas next year if it goes to plan. He, we're going to see him for one year in that class. Whereas... You know, I think back in the day, MX, MXD, you know, it was designed that we didn't lose riders in the sport. All right, well, following a bit of technical difficulty, we've lost Posty. Um, me and Dino are going to hold it down and and see if he calls back. I'm not sure he might be in a uh, an, an emo hole or lost service, lost battery. I don't know. Yeah, well, it was a great loss. We don't know. Anyway, um, wrap it up, MX3, though. Um, all WA uh, podium, Gilmore, Flynn, and Alex, uh, and um, Manier. WA doing big things in MX3 right now. Massive. I mean, it's good to see uh, Miles Gilmore back here. Was he in the States for a while? He was. Yeah, he? he's been at MTF for a few years, I believe, at the Millsaps facility and racing the amateur stuff over there. So, um, He's from WA. I don't know if he's based over there now, excuse me, or what he's doing, but, um, you know, between... Yeah, whatever Flynn, he's doing, keep doing it. Yeah, it's working, man. I don't know how old he is. That might be my only question. Um, mm. But, you know, Flynn had a really great round. You know, Mather didn't. You know, he he was a little quiet being Queensland-based. I thought he was going to have a bit more of a, a showing at... Um, you know, at Coulomb, Excellent. but he still ended up on the overall podium for the championship, which was sick. Um, yeah, so I guess Posty's not coming back. I don't know, man. No. Um, 
Anyway, this is the AMX Superstore's Inside Dirt Show. This is the Coolum Round 8 Review. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone, all season long. It's been not all season long, actually. We didn't even do a show until round, what was it, we, Lionel, three or four? We got, we got, uh, <laughs> oh, here we go. What's going gonna, on? I'm just going to text from Mickey. <laughs> Bro, my phone has done a big end. <laughs> like, yeah. it's missing in action. <laughs> oh, posty, uh, never change. Yeah. Um, no, all good. So, all good. Uh, yeah, we started doing the show in at Wodonga. It's, it's quite funny. But, uh, you know, we, what did we do, Joe? We we wrapped this thing up uh, a year or not, uh, a year ago, I suppose, um, and came back for you know two rounds of the championship. And we went, do you know what? Let's let's talk some shit again because we missed it. And now we're back. I can. And now- I remember the the reason being and like i said i it, we went all the way up to Mackay, like a long way north you know and um and there's a couple of people that came up to me and i think you know you've had this as well over the the, the few years don and you see the analytics you see the numbers of, of listeners but you forget they're people you know and 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 it sounds you might i'm i'm the man of the people you, you I are a man of the people i'm the man of the people um it, it sounds conceited on my end, but basically what I'm saying is you, you know, like I had, I had some people come up to me that listened to the show at Mackay all the way up there. And, and they was like, you know, we loved the show. We were sad it was gone. And, and it's like, man, there's, there's a lot of fans that listen to not just our show, a lot of the shows out there about Australian motocross and supercross. And, um, and that kind of got me like, okay, I enjoyed doing the show. The years of COVID made it difficult to get some consistency, but it's been really fun. Uh, bringing it back, and I want to thank all the listeners. I really want to thank AMX Superstores for supporting it, um, like they have always supported us on the Inside Dirt Network, and and we really need to to give those guys a big thanks for helping us bring this back. And um, same for you, Donnell. You put a lot of a lot of time in behind the scenes, talking to people, being at the track, and and having insight for these um, podcasts, and and it's been great, been great doing it. I want to thank everyone for listening. I think. I think we'll save the silly season talk for um for the Supercross shows, really, at this point. Yeah. Because yeah, Posty's sure. just blowing up the phones right now. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying to get back. Oh, phone is back. Let's try him again. I'm just going to... Call I'm me. going to read it. Call me. <laughs> call me. Call me. Come on, Mickey. You said to bring you, and now you're not answering. Oh, no. He's not okay, guys. <laughs> no, it's, 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 still, it's still not working. All right. That well, is good enough for me. That's the best ending I think this could go out on. Um, <laughs> let's wrap that, it up there. That sums up, Mick, that sums up Mick's day, year. Oh, my goodness. That was – I wish I'd done that sooner, but um, – Oh, it's so good. It's so good. You're probably going to have to chop the downtime of quiet air whilst we were figuring out if Posty was alive or not. But uh, like I said, guys, this has been the Round 8 review for Coolum on the AMX Superstore's Inside Dirt show. Um, we will have Supercross content coming. I don't know what it looks like yet. Uh, we're going to figure all that out, but there will be some Supercross shows. There will be he's some... Back. Oh, he's yeah. back. Oh, he's back. Oh, my where did your phone go? Right, my phone must have went a little bit emo there. For did a it minute. go to the Black Parade? Far out. 
Oh, nothing like a cringy music intro either, eh, boys? Hey, that's it. Um, um, yeah. Sorry, boys, did I miss anything good? You disappeared. Like, yeah, yeah pretty, much, pretty much all of MX3. Oh, that's okay, cool. Yeah, we were, we were yeah, going to do silly anyway. season, and then we were literally saying goodbye to everybody for the for the motocross season, and then you pop back up. So, do um, we want to quickly touch on silly season real quick because I know it's important? No, I nah. think we do it for another show. Well, what do you mean? I reckon we'll bring no. it into we'll bring it because honestly, I don't even really know what's going on. Like, there's so much speculation. Uh, okay, are we doing Supergrass shows? Or what yeah, we, yeah. Wasn't MIA. If you'd have I listened feel- whilst your phone was having a meltdown. Yeah, we were talking hey, about that. Actually, actually talking about Supercross shows, right? Now, Mickey, is there rumors that you are moving location? Uh, as in, like me moving like towns or like yeah. Oh yeah, well, yeah. He's going to be a roadie yeah. and live in Barham's barn or something, aren't you? Well, I am doing that there for a while too. Okay. Now I'm just thinking with you two both in. The vicinity of Queensland. Can you get back in the studio? Because uh, Mickey, your phone sucks. Well, um, dude, if he's into Wumba and I'm on the Gold Coast, it's not exactly local. Make it work. I used to drive an hour and a half. Yeah, it's Wumba. An it's not an hour and a half, half bro. <laughs> well, I don't care. Just put some effort in, all right? Just, show... And you were already at the office because you worked there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's also. Wait, why don't you just stop being a pussy and move to the fucking good state? Sorry, I'm swearing a lot, but it gets me fired up, man. He's got a point. I don't know how you, I don't know how you live where you live, bro. <laughs> uh, I, I have a very, I have a very good job that I enjoy very much. Yeah, but you're never in there, so you could do it from Queensland. I'm always, I'm there. All your athletes day. are up here. It doesn't even make sense. I, I'm in there every day. Yeah, like a real every gig, I would move where his riders were. Like you didn't see yeah. Be- Beaks was in Florida, I bet for for, for Stewart and and Carmichael back in the day for Fox. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the deal, right? Because the gear's in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this isn't working out. No, but look, are, we, are, we, are we back for Super Bowl? We're back. Yeah. yeah. Back there, there's going to be, like, a, there will be Supercross content. I don't know what it looks like yet, but we'll do shows for Supercross. We'll do some shows for World Supercross. Like, I want to keep this thing moving. Um, I'm not going to promise we're, we're the world. we Aussie stuff only. Is that, is that correct? No, nah, well, there's only, like, what, three World Supercrosses, so... I, I mean, think we can cover World Supercross. There's a very yeah, slim also, chance also, I might go to Cardiff for the World Supercross. You? Yeah. For who? AMX Supersource? No, just for me. I used to live in England. Oh. I, I might just go back and visit and go check it out. Well, yeah, hopefully they keep you. Um, <laughs> that's true. He's a citizen. Yeah. Um, are you a citizen? Yeah, are you still a citizen? It doesn't matter. We can talk about it later. Yeah. No, I'm... Um, I'm not an Australian citizen. I'm a UK citizen. I'm a permanent resident in Australia. Yeah. I, I, I have I have been qualified to do my citizenship for years over here. I just never got around to it. So, so you don't have a green card. Have um, you, are you one of those people who's overstayed their visa? So if you do go back, will you be able to get back in? Yeah, I'm, I'm completely legal. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that much. <laughs> hey, just, just, just talking real quickly, um, uh, AMA, did, is what's the deal between is Tomac and Sexton battling this thing all the way through? Or what's yeah, the back, to, yeah. back to one point. Yeah, one point. Who's got the lead? Sexton. Tomac. 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 Oh, How many rounds left? Two. Three. Okay. Two. 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 Iron Man and Parla the second. Oh, okay. 
which Paolo is not. And, guy, and guys have just wrapped up the the, the GP. Guys have wrapped up the right? world title. Yeah, yeah. Um, if they if this comes down to one point at Paolo, put a stamp on it. That, that twenty three turns into a one. Yeah. All right, it's been the Inside Dirt show. Thanks to AMX Superstores. Thanks to all you guys for listening. Been a killer year bringing the show back. We explained everything before. We will be back for Supercross. Posty, Darnell, thank you, boys. Thank you. It's been thank, a- you thank you, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> thank you to everyone that listens to the show. Thanks for being the reason that we brought this thing back so we can argue about nonsense. Nonsical um, MX of Nations talk. And uh, with that being said, thanks for listening. And we will see you guys for some Supercross content real soon. See you, boys. See you, boys.